Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. share with you a message this morning that's the beginning of a, of a new series, and the title of the series, the title of the message is This Side of the Cross, This Side of the Cross, okay? We, we just celebrated multiple weeks centered around the cross, and if our theology is accurate, which I believe that it is, then everything in human history rotates around the moment that Jesus gave his life for us. We, I said it in the message last week that the moment when Jesus said, it is finished, that that was the single most important moment in the history of the universe. That the moment he gave his life and breathed his last, the moment he said the words, it's finished, it's like the fulcrum, if you will. You all know what a fulcrum is. It's like that, that moment in time is the fulcrum of human history, that everything balances and hinges and revolves around that moment. So if that is true, which again, I believe that it is, if that is true, then there is significance to what happened before the cross, and there is significance to what happened after the cross. And I want to, I want to present the, the notion to you this morning that we as Christians in the year 2023, we as Christians are on the better side of the cross. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, right around verse 13 and 14, talks about all of the patriarchs of faith. It talks about all of the heroes of the Old Testament, people like Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, people like Moses and Ruth, people like Joshua and, and David and King Solomon, people like Gideon, people like the prophets Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah. It, if you read down through Hebrews 11, it gives a full long list of all the, so many of, of, the, of the heroes, if you will, the Hall of Fame in Israel's history. And you get to verse 13 and it says that all of these people died in faith, not having yet seen or received the promise. They had within themselves the understanding that at some point in the future, there would be a redeemer. And they leaned into that reality, though they never saw Jesus. We, on the other hand, are over on this side of the cross, and we have the profound advantage of looking over our shoulder and looking back at what took place. The whole of the book of Hebrews is, uh, is, is a, a thesis, if you will, trying to find the right words to use this morning. The whole of the book of Hebrews is a thesis on how this covenant that we have with God is better than the covenant that they had with God in the Old Testament. 
I'm here to, I'm here to tell you this. If Moses could part the Red Sea with a stick and liberate three million people from slavery under the older, inferior covenant, what can God do in your life because of the blood of Jesus? Amen. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer, and then I want to get into this a little bit. Father in heaven, we thank you for another opportunity to come before your word. We're so privileged to be able to receive from you. And this morning, Lord, I thank you that your word will enter into our hearts and transform us from the inside out. God, I ask for wisdom and revelation, for insight to come to each and every person who's here under the sound of my voice, to those who are watching via live stream. Father, I pray that you, by your spirit, would speak to us, would teach us, train us, instruct us, cause us to grow this morning. We'll be, give, be careful to give you all the praise and thanksgiving for these things in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen and amen. I want us to make our, uh, our, our pre-serve, pre-sermon confession that we like to make. You'll see it on your screen this morning. Hopefully you've gotten used to saying this now. But let's declare this out loud together by faith. Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you. The ears of my heart hear you. My heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. I believe you're growing in the things of God. Amen. Three scriptures that I would like for you to turn to this morning. Three scriptures. The first one is in Romans chapter 1. The second, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the third, Hebrews chapter 10. Romans chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and Hebrews chapter 10. I, if I had to choose a message to preach for the rest of my life, it would be this message. I, uh, my daughter was asking me yesterday, uh, because she knows that I didn't bring any notes with me, she said, do you know what you're going to preach about? And I said, of course. She said, well, you don't have any notes. I said, that's because I don't need any notes. In fact, I could quote all these scriptures to you. This, this message is my life's message. I feel that every pastor, every preacher has a message that gets woven into everything they preach. Well, this is my message that gets woven into everything I preach. But I get to talk to you about it specifically today and, and for the coming weeks. I try to preach this every single year uh, and, and it seemed real fitting this year that it come right after Easter. Uh, you know, the title of it is different every year, but the content is much the same. But I believe the Lord's going to speak to you from it this morning. Um, so we're talking about the idea of the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. I, I want to talk to you today and in the coming weeks about the difference between your Christian experience and the, and the experience that everyone else had before the cross. If you read your Bible carefully, and I hope that you do, um, you'll see that God did amazing things throughout all of human history. From the very beginning of time all the way forward, God's been doing incredible things in the lives of his people. But I want you to understand that there is something more, far more significant that you and I have access to under this new covenant of grace. 
now that we're on this side of the cross, we have access to so much more than Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Solomon, you name it, the list goes on. The best that it could ever be for, uh, let's, let's take the prophet Elijah, for example. Elijah is um, notable as the most prolific prophet in Israel's history. The best that Elijah could ever have was when the Holy Spirit came upon him to do something. Under the old covenant, the best that anyone could ever experience would be God coming upon them. However, here in the new covenant, on this side of the cross, we have the benefit not only of God coming upon us, but coming to live in us. We have the added value of the Holy Spirit being as close to us as our next breath. It's so much better to be on this side of the cross. Amen. Tell your neighbor that if you would. Just interact with them a little. Say, it's so much better to be on this side of the cross. My, my, my. It's just so much better to be on this side of the cross. I want to give you, for our introduction today, just a bit of a, a, bit of a, a picture of the difference between those two things, between what the old covenant looked like and what the new covenant looked like. And then uh, in the weeks to come, we'll talk about some of the ramifications of this new covenant. I want you to get real comfortable over the next couple weeks with the words old covenant, new covenant. How many of you know what a covenant is? Could I see your hands? Most of you. For those who didn't raise a hand, let me tell you what a covenant is. A covenant is a solemn agreement a sacred promise. The closest thing that we in our modern world have to what the ancient people referred to as a covenant, the closest thing we have is the covenant of marriage. A covenant was a promise that was made and the guarantee, the collateral for that promise was the life of the person making the promise. So in ancient times, if, uh, if, if I was to make a covenant with you, I would say, here's the agreement. Here's what we're going to agree to. We're going to do A, B, C, and D. We would spell out the agreement. And then both of us would actually uh, prick our fingers and we would actually merge our blood together to signify the life that was in us. That it, Effectively, what I'm saying is I would make an agreement with you. You would make an agreement with me. And the result would be if one of us breaks the agreement, it's going to cost us our life. That's how significant a covenant is. Today, we don't work in covenants so much. We work in contracts. And if you've been in business for longer than a year or two, you know contracts are made to be broken because it's just true. There's always a loophole. All you need is a good lawyer to get you out of the covenant but, or of the contract. But covenants don't work that way. And there were so many covenants made in the Old Testament. God made covenants with men and women throughout the Old Testament. And, and there was one covenant in significant, one covenant in particular that he made with Abraham. He promised to make Abraham's family a great nation. And he promised that out of the nation that Abraham would create, which became Israel, out of that nation would come the Messiah, the Redeemer of the world. So that's what we refer to as the Old Covenant. It came along with this thing called the law. How many of you are familiar with the law? I just want to give you a real quick context background here before we read our scriptures. 
The law came along with Moses. The covenant came along with Abraham. And then about 600 years later, Moses received the law from God. And the law was all the rules that went with the old covenant. And we're going to look at the law today for just a minute uh, in our illustration with my daughters here in just a few minutes. Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus comes as the fulfillment of the covenant and the fulfillment of the law. So when Jesus says it is finished on the cross, what's he saying? He's saying the old covenant that God made with Abraham has now been fulfilled. The, 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 the promises have all been made. And that the law, which kept people bound to their sin and redeemed, reminded them that they needed a redeemer, that law has been brought to its end. Everything finished with Jesus, and something new replaced the old covenant. It's called the new covenant. Is everybody following me so far? That's just a little Bible history lesson to help you to understand the context of what we're talking about today. And I'm, I want to tell you, this, mean, this is so important for your everyday living and breathing life. Understanding that you are a new creation that is part of the new covenant purchased by the blood of Jesus and that you are now a redeemed child of God, free from sin, free from shame, free from sickness, free from disease. You, you get to be everything God intended for humanity to be because of Jesus and because you live on this side of the cross. So I want to talk about what all that means, okay? Because we, we go through life, and especially if you were raised in a church that was, that was so focused on works-based religion. If you went to a church or you were part of a, a religious experience where it was just ground into you that you're this dirty, black-hearted sinner, and you just got to do everything right to make God happy, to earn his favor, and you just got to work overtime to try to get God to bless you, I'm here to tell you that is not reality. It's not the reality of the new covenant. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I always get those backwards. 2 Corinthians tells us that all of the promises of God are in Christ. Yes and amen. All of God's promises that he ever made to humanity came down to and came into the person of Jesus and because we're on this side of the cross, we get to access all of God's best stuff. It's amazing. It's just too good to be true. And that's why it's true. Amen. So let's read a couple of passages. These are going to be our, our main scriptures, and I'm going to have some fun with this today. I hope you have some fun with me, okay? Romans chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse, excuse me, Romans chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 16. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible this morning. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, verse 8, 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. 
For the Jew first and to the Greek also. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want you to get comfortable with a few terms and some terminology this morning, okay? And I want you to keep this in mind over the next couple weeks as we talk through this subject. I want you to get comfortable with the word gospel. The word gospel is the word which means good news. But it's more than just good news as in written on a piece of paper. It's good news that has been proclaimed. In fact, the origin of the word gospel goes back to ancient times where there would be an individual who would run into the city you remember how in, in ancient times, uh, kingdoms used to just consist of a city that was built, it had a wall built around it and some farms around the outside, and that was a little nation state? The word gospel comes back to those agrarian times where, where when a king would go off to war, he would send someone back ahead of the army back into the city to declare and tell what had happened. And this person was called the gospel messenger. So the idea of the gospel is that it is good news that has been declared to you and me. In other words, someone came back from the battle and said, I've got good news to tell you this morning. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed to stand up and to declare and tell you that I've come back from the battle and we win. Amen. So I want you to get comfortable with the word gospel. I want you to get comfortable with the word righteousness. What is the word righteousness? It, it means in right standing or in good standing. How many of you, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I think we've all been here where I'm about to describe. How many of you have ever been late on a bill? Okay, just look straight ahead. You don't have to, okay? They'll never know that I'm talking about you, okay? Just look straight ahead. If you've ever been late on a bill, if you've ever been late on a bill like more than 30 days, more than 60 days, more than 90 days, how many of you have ever had bills go to collection? Those are the best phone calls, aren't they? We're trying to collect on a debt. No, those are terrible. What happens? Listen, listen, listen. What happens when you pay the debt? You come back into right standing. The balance goes to zero. The debt has been fulfilled, it's been paid, and you're now in right standing again. You have the right to continue to use the service or the product that, that they were hunting you down for, right? Your subscription can, can be reinstated because you finally paid your bill. That's the concept behind righteousness. The idea of righteousness is that somebody paid my bill and now I'm back in right standing. I can take advantage of this subscription, if you will. Now, please don't throw stones at me. I'm trying to create an analogy that helps us to understand. I'm not saying that your relationship with Jesus is a subscription, okay? You've got to clarify these things because sound clips on the internet, and then all of a sudden I get DMs, okay? I think your theology is a little off. No, just listen to the whole message, please. Okay. <laughs> so, so the gospel is the good news that has been declared to us. Righteousness means we're back in right standing with God and, and, and there's no communication broken anymore. The balance has been paid and we get to walk together and live together again. Okay? I, 
I think these are such important concepts for us to understand because I think religion has sold us a bill of goods that has told us that righteousness somehow doesn't actually belong to us. That somehow I encountered Jesus and I got saved, but there's still, you know, there's still some icky parts of me. There's still something about me that's not pretty. That I'm still gross and God still considers me, you know, my heart is exceedingly wicked. No, it's not. When you get saved, that's the part of you that changes. Jeremiah wrote those words, by the way. He said, the heart is exceedingly wicked above all things. Who can know it? Who can understand it? Well, that's the reality, and that was the case before Jesus shed his blood for you. Your heart, listen, Abraham's heart was exceedingly wicked. David, King David's heart was exceedingly wicked. Solomon's heart was exceedingly wicked. Everybody in the Old Testament's heart was exceedingly wicked because nobody had a way to get clean until Jesus shed his blood. So now we live on this side of the cross and we get to access all kinds of things that the heroes of faith from the Old Testament never got to access. That's why Paul lifts his voice so boldly and says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save someone, to turn their heart of stone into a heart of flesh. So cool. Let's go forward to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Oh, man. This might be my favorite passage in the whole Bible, Joe. I think so. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Somebody say anyone. anyone. You mean me, pastor? Yeah, anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's the new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things, verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us unto himself through Christ Jesus and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them and has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled unto God for he made him, verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's that word righteousness again. You see, what Jesus did on the cross, and I'm gonna demonstrate it in a moment. What Jesus did on the cross was he became sin, taking the ickiness from your life and from mine, bearing it upon himself and nailing it to the cross. You see, when Jesus was crucified, they weren't just crucifying him, they were crucifying all of our sins. That's why Paul says, Paul says we were buried with him. If we died with him, then we were buried with him and then we live with him. As he resurrected from the grave, we now live with him. I quoted you Galatians 2 and 20 last week. I have been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. You see, when he died in your place, he took your sin and nailed it to the cross. He, he, he dealt a final blow to the strength and the weight of sin. And now you and I are what the Bible calls new creations. Do you know what the word creation means in the Greek? It's the Greek word that means original. So that's an interesting thought, right? If you go back to verse 17 so they can see it on the screen, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The word creation meaning the Greek word that means original. And, and it's interesting that someone could be a new original. Isn't that funny? You see, when you start to read the, the Bible in the original languages, it starts to cause you to go, hmm, hmm. That's what most of my sermon prep is, by the way. It's me going, hmm. Oh, okay. I like that. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new original. What does that mean? It means that you're brand new in Christ. See, most people, religion has taught most people to think this way. I'm a refurbished creature in Christ. Refurbished. Yeah, they sent me back to the factory and they, they dipped me and, and, you know, and I got, I got some stuff sorted out. They worked out a few kinks. But, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not a new creature in Christ. No, see, the minute that you get saved, that old man, that old person dies, gone. And now you are a new original. Somehow it's not you, but somehow it's still you. You're just a new you. Don't ask me to explain it because I can't. It's supernatural. Only God can take something that reeked of sin, kill it, and recreate it, and it still be the same and be completely different. I don't know how that works. And I'm okay with it. That's one of those fun mysteries that only eternity is going to be long enough to try to convince, to, to try to explain, not convince. You're a brand new original. You're not a whitewashed sinner. You're not a, you know, I'm not a sinner with a fresh coat of paint. I'm a new creature. I'm something that didn't exist anymore. Or that didn't used to exist, rather. And I'm brand new now. Let's read, go quickly to Hebrews chapter 10. There's so much to say, and the, the hard part of this message for me is I want to get it all out in one day, and I just can't do that. E Hebrews chapter 10, and then I'm going to invite my kids to come up in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 10. This is where the writer of Hebrews is taking us back to the Old Covenant and he's going to explain why the Old Covenant was insufficient. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's begin reading in verse 2. The one that I want to get to is verses 3 and 4, but just for a bit of context. Verse 2 says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? He's talking about the sacrifices that were offered every single year under that Old Covenant. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness or awareness of sins. Verse 3. 
In those sacrifices, those animal sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible. Everybody say not possible. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Jump down, if you would, to verse, where do we want to go here? 10. Jump down to verse 10. By that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Watch this. Once for all. Jesus' sacrifice was so effective that he only had to do it one time. He'll never die on a cross again. He'll never have to raise back up from the grave again. His his sacrifice was so significant that he only had to do it once. Every priest, verse 11, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, this is what I want you to see, which can never take away sins. Remember, we're talking about this side of the cross. The other side of the cross, they couldn't get saved. There was no blood of Jesus. All they had was the blood sacrifices. And they couldn't get saved. They couldn't get close to God. Watch verse 12. It says, but this man, who's he speaking about? Jesus, right? This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He finished. Man, it is finished. The work is done. Now, I want to illustrate all three of these scriptures and why I chose these three particular scriptures and why they're relevant. So I need my daughters to come up here. I'm going to move this out of the way for the camera. And, and um, Abigail, you can hang there for a second. I got to get Claire set up first. Claire is going to represent all of humanity, okay? Amen. All right. Now I'm going to do something here. I'm going to tie you up. Here, hold this. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Is that too tight? No. Here we go. Watch this. I'm just tying her up for a second. Okay. I know this. Let's do this here. Got to make it secure so it doesn't fall off halfway through the analogy. Now, this, this green cord represents sin, okay? Claire represents all of humanity, and this green cord represents sin. And you can see pretty quickly the effects of sin in our lives, okay? It's going to be real hard for her to do anything. Trust me, this is a powerful analogy, I want to make it secure so that you really see. God, I'm getting dizzy. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You can't really move too well, can you? Even if you can, just pretend you can't. (laughs) This analogy's got to work or you don't get an allowance. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. She doesn't get an allowance anyway. Okay, now, 
This is humanity. Absolutely tied up with sin. I told you we were at the beach this weekend, or this week, and I got the best sin analogy ever watching Abigail play in the waves. Because the kids, the water was freezing because it's still early in the season. And so the kids, they, they gently got into the waves. They started by just a little toe, just letting it get comfortable. Then they moved a little farther and it got up a little higher and moved a little farther. And once they could stand it, they moved a little farther and then a wave came and took Abigail out. And I thought, this is the best, we talked about it, right? I thought, this is the best analogy for sin. You start at a distance, you look at it, you get a little toe in, you think, I can handle this. You go a little farther, I can handle this. You go a little farther, I'm getting a little more comfortable. It's cold, it's uncomfortable, but I'm getting a little warmer. I can handle this, I can handle this, handle this, and then it takes you out. It's amazing. So, so this represents the bondage of sin. And can I tell you that from the moment Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, humanity looked like this. There was nothing that could be done. Okay? So, God, I'm going to play God. Okay? I know you're all thinking, I thought he was better looking, but... I'm going to play God. Okay. This is my bathrobe, by the way. Okay. Trust me, the analogy is going to be real good here in a second. I need, I need, I need to be able to communicate. Here, slide over just a little bit. I need to be able to communicate with my creation. I created this amazing universe, and, and I put mankind right in the middle of it, and, and they screwed up. And now they're in bondage, and, and though I want to reach out to them, they can't reach out to me. And can I tell you what happens when you're in this situation? Everything is hard. Everything is work. Everything feels impossible. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that it is the way of the transgressor that is hard. People think it's hard to serve God. I think it's much harder to serve the devil. Because though it appeals to the flesh for a moment, your life looks like this. So I've created this man, this human race, and they've plunged themselves into sin. Yet I still, as the creator, love them. And want to be able to have fellowship with my creation. You remember how in in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God, after he created man, would walk with him in the cool of the day. God himself came into the Garden of Eden. and, And he spent every single day walking and talking with Adam and Eve. Revealing himself to them. Talking with them. Relating to them. But now because of this bondage and sin, though God reaches back to man, man cannot reach back to God. So God says, I've got to come up with a solution to this problem. 
So years, thousands of years go by from the garden, and now God is dealing with Moses and with the law, and he brings his people out of Israel, but they're still burdened and bound by sin. So God, God creates the law, and in the law, he anoints somebody called the Levites, which was the high priest. Abigail, come here. You're a Levite. You're a high priest. Take this. Just hold on to it for a second. Now, the job of the high priest under the old covenant was to take the blood of a sacrificial animal once a year on the day of atonement, kill this animal and take its blood and, and hold its blood before God in the Holy of Holies, sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant, and for one year, that blood of that bull or that goat was going to cover over the sins of the nation. Now, I need you to pay attention because this is so important. God anointed the high priest to take the blood of bulls and goats and cover over the sins of humanity. Okay? You can go sit down. Good job. Birthday Levite. So now, God has the ability to get close to man again. Because you remember, man's infected with sin. And God is perfect and holy. So God can't get near man. Because if he does, man dies because of the sin in him. Right? So now because of the blood of a bull and a goat and of a sacrifice, God is able once again to get close. But this is as close as he can get. Because what we read in Hebrews tells us that though the sacrifice happened and atoned, or the word atonement means to cover over, Though the sacrifice atoned for the sin, the sin is still there. You see? It doesn't deal with the root of the problem. It's just a band-aid. It just covers over. So God had to literally come up with a better plan, a better sacrifice, a better high priest, better blood for a better covenant. Can I tell you, many, many, many Christians, God-fearing, God-loving Christians who are saved, who love Jesus, but they live in this reality. They live in this paradigm. They don't live as someone who's been freed from sin. They live as someone who's had their sin covered. And we even say things like, oh, you know, Jesus, Jesus covered me in his blood. No, he didn't. He washed you in his blood. He, he took sin out of the equation. You're not covered this morning. You're a new original. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new original. So God had to come and, and he said, you know, this system here is not going to work. This covering over, this bulls and goats situation is not going to work. Okay? So Jesus had to come, give of himself. 
He is, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, that he is our faithful high priest. He stood in the place of the Levites, like Abigail, and simultaneously stood in the place of the sacrifice. And he offered himself. Isn't that wild? When Jesus went to the cross, he was acting as both the high priest and the sacrifice. He offered himself. That's why that Galatians 2.20 scripture is so important. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that lives, but Christ now lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that amazing? So here comes Jesus He's going to hang himself on a cross. He's going to, as the, 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 the high priest and the sacrifice, give himself. And in so doing, he doesn't come to cover sin. He comes to alleviate it and eliminate it and completely strip sin of its power. So that now this person is not a person who reflects a sinful nature, but a person who reflects the nature of Jesus. This is what freedom looks like. Raise your hands. Simon says, raise your hands. Spin around. You see what God did? Listen, what the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do. It could never take away the core problem. It could never deal with the real issue. Now, let's talk about the really good part. Go back to verse, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. Second Corinthians chapter 5, begin in verse 17. We're going to read 17 and 18. Because most people will agree with you about verse 17. Most people, this right here that you're seeing, this is verse 17. If anybody is in Christ, anybody who cries out to the Lord, the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, about the only thing Claire could do when she was wrapped up is call upon the name of the Lord. She couldn't get very far. She couldn't do much. But she could call on the name of the Lord. Jesus came and saved her. And 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Where did the sin go? That's out of the picture now. God came in and unraveled the impact and the effects of sin, got rid of it. She's got a brand new heart on the inside. Old things have passed away. What is the old things? old way of living, the sin nature, the sin lifestyle, it's passed away. Now all things have become new. That means that there's a new life. There's a new lifestyle. There's a new way to live. There's a new way to think. There's a new way to operate. Most people get excited about verse 17, but they stop there. What's verse 18 say? Now all things, let's just stop with the word now. Now, what do you mean by now? It means right now. Now that I'm in Christ, not only are the old things passed away, now all things are of God who's reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. Do you know what the word reconciled means? The word reconciled 
is a financial term that means to make the same as something else. How many of you actually are old enough to have had or still have a checkbook? <laughs> a couple of you. <laughs> You're like, does Venmo count? No, Venmo does not count. Venmo does not count. If you have a checking account and you're back from the Stone Age when everything's in black and white and, and, and you, you write checks, you had a little thing in that checkbook called the check register. And at the end of the month, you would get a balance sheet from the, from the bank sent to you, and this was your statement for the month. And if you're, a good, if you're good with money, you take the statement from the bank and you take your checkbook register and you make sure that they are the same. And if there is a discrepancy there, if they don't look the same, you reconcile them to be the same. You make sure that your check registry matches the bank. The Bible says God reconciled us to himself. You see, it's one thing to be a new creation in Christ. It's one thing to be free from sin. It's one thing to be completely set free from the bondage of sin. It's another thing to be reconciled to God. He says now, now that we're saved, everything, all things are of God. That means everything that God did on the inside of you looks like, sounds like, smells like, tastes like, seems like him. Not only... Are you not who you used to be? You're now the offspring of the king of the universe. Let me tell you how good it is to be on this side of the cross. Do y'all remember the parable of the wicked son? The son who ran off into the, to the world. We call it the prodigal son, but... It's, prodigal is not really a good word to describe it. Prodigal means wasteful. The, the, the parable of the prodigal son where the guy went off and, and spent all that he had and he just, you know, he just threw his life away and he comes back to the father. And what does the father do? The father runs to him. He says, kill the fatted calf because... We're going to have a party because my son was dead and now he's alive. He was gone and he's home again. And then he does something that is so reminiscent of this scripture. He gives the son his rightful identity. He says, go get my best cloak. Go get my best robe and put it on him. See, used to used to have to be that you were that you were tied up in sin, and you couldn't move around. Used to be that you wore around the, the blood of bulls and goats, which couldn't fix the sin problem. So I, I, I'm God; I fixed the sin problem for you. So now you get to wear my robe, my garment, which is the garment of righteousness. The Bible says that we have been given robes of righteousness, robes of right standing with God. This is her identity now. She looks like her father. And, and, and you remember that he gave, her, he gave the son his good shoes. Come on, put my shoes on. Put my shoes on. 
See, now all things are of God. See, now your identity, you didn't get it from Adam, your old father. You didn't get it from the sin nature that used to be on the inside of you. Here, let me give you my signet ring. This is what the father gave to the son in the parable. He gave him his signet ring, which stands for his authority. You see, he, when, when you have this robe called righteousness, this is your new identity, and it came from God. When you have your feet shod, as the Bible says in the gospel of preparation of peace, you have God's shoes on now, so you get to walk the way he walks. And you've got God's signet ring on your finger, which means you have his authority that you can use in this life. You're fully outfitted and fully, you've been fully represented by the God that made this deposit on the inside of you. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I used to be bound in sin, but now I've got a new nature. I've got a new identity. Now all things are of God. God made you look like him when you got saved. Isn't that awesome? You look good. <laughs> Give me my shoes back. <laughs> you can sit down. You see, I wanted to show it to you visually just to try to help send it home. You started out life in total bondage. Thank you, baby. You started out life in total bondage. And there was, listen, there was no hope for anything other than, than the covering over of a sacrifice on that side of the cross. But praise God, we're not on that side of the cross anymore. Can I tell you something that might shake you a little bit? Because I hear this phrase and I've heard it for so many years. Well, brother, I'm just a black-hearted sinner saved by the grace of God. That's impossible. It's not possible. Well, brother, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's not possible. We saw what a sinner looked like bound in sin the very definition of being a new creation means that sin was removed that your heart is now clean before God you cannot be the thing that God redeemed you from either you said yes to Jesus by grace through faith and you are now a son and a daughter of God with a new identity with a new with new DNA or you're still a sinner you're either a sinner or you're saved by grace you get to decide by faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus I'm here to tell you life is way better on this side of the cross. Your identity is brand new. Please, 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 please stop thinking like a sinner. Stop thinking like the old man. Stop thinking, oh man, if I could say this, stop thinking that you're bound. Stop thinking that you're a slave to sin. Stop thinking that you're a slave to fear. Stop thinking that you're a slave to whatever it is the devil's trying to do in your life. You're free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You're not a black-hearted sinner anymore. <laughs> you're the right.
righteousness of God in Christ. That means that shame no longer can hold on to you. Can I quote you one more scripture? The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, but pastor, I screwed up. I messed up. I slipped. I fell. I went backwards. I fell back into the pattern of sin. I fell back into the that I used to be. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. God did for you what you could never do for yourself. He freed you. He set you free. So live in the reality of that freedom. And don't be held bondage. Don't be held in bondage anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. Can you say that out loud? Can you say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Now all things are brand new. The nature of God is living on the inside of you and you're a new creation. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I hope that this has blessed you, ministered to your heart. This is my life's message. I live to preach this message. I live to tell people the reality of this truth, that if you're in Christ, you're new. You're not kind of new. You're not, you're not new, but with some miles. Did you ever buy a new car? Anybody ever buy a new car? How about this? Did you ever sit in a new car? That should be everybody. Did you ever touch? Yeah, it's better. Frank is like, that's better. Let's, did you ever sit in a new car? Smells like a new car. Did you ever sit in a car with like 185,000 miles on it? Yeah. Maybe some ketchup stains on the back seat, you know. <laughs> don't, listen, don't do this mistake of thinking that you were a new creation, but now you got ketchup stains on the back seat. The, I didn't get into it for time and whatever, but the, the, the tense and the mood of the Greek word new in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is, is present perfect tense. Phonetically, grammatically, what that means is that it's present, it's right now, and it stays the same. So for all of eternity, you and I will be new originals. It's impossible for you to be a Christian with lots of miles. Yeah, you may have, listen, you may have fallen, you may have sinned, you may have fallen backwards, you may have slipped backwards in your life with Christ. You may have dropped the ball. Listen, let me, let me, let me restate that. You've all dropped the ball. You've all screwed up. We've all messed up. Everybody, since we, since we said yes to Jesus, has sinned at least once, right? We've all been there. Don't be foolish enough to think that that somehow makes you less of a new 
creation. The blood of Jesus and the perfection of his sacrifice means that regardless of the failures that we possess in our lives, it doesn't diminish the perfection of his work in us. If you've said yes to Jesus, you are now and always will be a perfectly new creature in Christ. Glory to God. I mean, you could be 85 years old, got saved when you were a fetus, and you just, you just, you've got a long, you know, time. Maybe you're 185, I don't know. You've just lived a long life. You're still brand new. You say, I messed up 36 times yesterday. I screwed up on the way to church this morning. Doesn't matter. You're in Him. You're a new creation. Pastor, are you telling us it's okay to sin? No. Of course it's not. Why? Because it hurts you, but it doesn't diminish Jesus. That's the difference. Oh man, I want to tell you everything I know about this subject this morning, but we're out of time. Let's bow our heads. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.